0: Welcome to Voices of E-Learning, reflecting the people living and breathing the future of education and online learning with your host, J.W. Marshall.
1: Hello and welcome, everyone, to today's episode of the Voices of E-Learning podcast. I'm your host, J.W. Marshall with Summit K-12. We're so glad that you found us. And with us, as always, is my co-host, Alina Marie Sale, the edtech guru from Canva, and we are so excited for our guest today. We have with us Carrie Conover, who is the founder and CEO of Educator to Educators and Classroom to Boardroom. Carrie, how are you doing today?
0: Uh, I couldn't be better. I'm with the two of you.
1: Right. (laughs) Um, and there we're going to cover a broad range as we often do in our, uh, episodes, uh, with Carrie, but before we get started with our questions and our topics, we love to start every podcast out with the same question, Carrie, who are you and what do you love about what you do?
0: Wow. Well, first of all, I just want to start off with thanking you both for giving me this time to share with educators out there. It's a true honor a lot of respect for both of you. So thank you so much. Um, Who am I? The other thing I want to say is I am a straight shooter. So I'm just going to give you guys everything honest. Um, So I am an educator at heart. I've been in education for 22 years. I can't believe I'm that old. Um, and my career has been full of lots of changes. That's probably the theme of my career. I've done a lot of different things in education from working for the Chicago Symphony Orchestra, teaching in the Chicago public schools for 10 years, falling in love with ed tech and working for two very different ed tech companies. Um, and then starting educators to educators this fall, it's going to be five years, which I cannot believe. Um, and I would say in those five years, I've learned a lot about being a fond- founder and an entrepreneur. I've met a lot of really cool educators from the classroom to the boardroom, literally. And as we sit today, um, what I love about what I do, if I'm being totally honest, is the freedom that I have to create and work and help and lead when, it's the right time for me to do that. Right. Like I can work at three o'clock in the morning. If I want, I can work. Um, I can play tennis. I share a lot about, I've gone back to playing tennis and I can schedule my day around my family comes. I come first, right. My mental health, my physical health, then my family comes next. And then my work comes next and the people that I'm helping. So that's what I love most about what I do.
2: Which I think is um, something that's really unique about when you do transition, obviously, from the classroom, outside of the classroom, but especially in your situation, um, the ability that you do have and the flexibility that you have to be able to showcase your values, I think, is important and also is a reason why a lot of people connect with you because you're authentic and you're able to share and connect with others in that way. So I think that's pretty um, unique as well. Thank
0: you. Thank you so much for saying that. I am really proud of that. And I think, you know, I've, I've shared a lot. Um, Lena, I know you've listened to the E2B podcast in in the past, but I've shared a lot. I've been through a lot of hard things in my life. And a lot of those hard things have shifted me and made me realize that, um, life is super short. Sometimes it feels like it's not very short, but like, I want to get the most out of my days. And, uh, and that goes from the part of me that's a helper and also a big achiever. Like I like to achieve things. So, um, And the best way to do that, I think the best way to be a helper in this world is to share the truth, um, and be as authentic as my, as I can be. And one of my good friends, Josh Lyman, he says, authenticity is your best SEO.
1: It's so true. And, and, and we share that uh, same ethos with this podcast. We don't have any, we're not beholden to a sponsor. We do this as volunteers. We believe in the mission and the conversations um, and so we can talk about what we want to talk about. We have that freedom, which is really great. Yes. Um, so before we dive into the questions again, I'll tee it up again, um, for our audience that's not familiar with you, which there may be a few, just give us a little background on educators to edu- educators, educators, and on uh, classroom to boardroom.
0: Perfect. I love to do that. So E2E actually started as a podcast, um, and the whole idea behind it was that I felt that as I traveled the country working in ed tech, I saw teachers burning out and I didn't see teachers teaching teachers. Like the professional development that a lot of teachers have to sit through are state mandates, snooze fest, or um, like a company coming in to do professional development about their product. And then they would leave. And I'm like, well, where's the me sharing with the fifth grade teacher across the district or across the country? Like hey, I'm also using this product, but here's how I use it. And here's a way I've set it up in centers. Like there wasn't enough of that happening. So Educators to Educators is all online professional development. And we do teacher summer reboot every year is a big conference, virtual conference. This year, it's changing a little bit. We're doing more live sessions, but you can also go in and take courses or modules and get certification. So there's games in the classroom, there's teacher self-care there's making sure that you're creating an equitable classroom. Like there's all these little like modules and courses that you can take. Um, and through that work, uh, what I was having was teachers coming to me saying like, I want to follow in your footsteps. I need more. I'm hungry for more in my career. And so while I couldn't coach all of them one-on-one, I created a course called Classroom to Boardroom. Um, and that is turned into its own wonderful, you know, business really and own wonderful uh, community on its own.
1: And I'll just ask one more follow-up. I love the idea of uh, that you do both sides, right? The educator to educators, right? Is promoting, you know, a positive growth in teachers and staying in the classroom. And then you also have the classroom to boardroom, which is helping those teachers that have identified that maybe there's something else out there for them. And, and it seems like a lot of people are either on one side or the other. And again, our podcast likes to look at all angles of the challenges and the opportunities and the issues of the day. And so we're just so excited to have you on to be able to speak to both sides of that equation. So
0: JW, can I just say, I actually really appreciate you acknowledging that because, um, in the beginning with classroom to boardroom, I worried about people being critical of me, like trying to pull teachers out of the classroom or whatever. And that is long gone. We really appreciate you saying that because, I will never walk away from the mission of E2E. We need to support teachers on both sides.
1: Yeah, and it's a huge, complex problem and challenge. And we don't have enough time in any one episode to dive into all aspects, um, even going back into recruiting and the system. But again, it's so important. So um, I guess at this point, let's kind of dive in and um, talk about it's the end of the school year. And this is a time uh, for reflection, even though a lot of people rush to the end and then move to the next thing in the summer. Um, But we want to start off by getting your take on uh, what should educators be reflecting on right now from the last year? And then we'll move down the path of what to do this summer and how to get ready for next fall.
0: Yeah. So the first thing I would do is just sit and take a mental health check. And one of the mental health checks that I think teachers should be doing right now is so we went through this crazy COVID year, right. And that was survival mode. Now you've gone through a year where yes, COVID was still lingering a little bit, but it was a little bit more back to normal. And I know that teachers were taking a lot of the residual trauma from those COVID years over into this year. So I think that's one of the things is just to acknowledge, like, did you, how did you get through this year? How were you operating? Were you operating at a really high stress level all year? So just acknowledging what you've been through and thanking your body and your mind for getting you through that. I also think it's really important to take an inventory of the people and how they made you feel. So when I'm talking about people, I'm talking about everyone that you interact with at work and taking an inventory. Like even if you do a T-chart for yourself, um, maybe you don't do this on your classroom whiteboard or like in a private journal somewhere, but thinking about who were the positive people that pushed you through and pushed you forward and made you better. And who were the people that either kept you in hard times or brought you down or brought you into hard times. So I often do this in the business world with my friendships, even family sometimes, but think about at work. What teachers made you a better teacher? What teachers said, I can tell you're having like a rough day. If you want me to cover 10 minutes of your prep? What teachers, um, kept you from going to the lunchroom and just complaining for a half an hour, right? Like you need those sounding boards. You need people you can go vent to, but what, what are those people? Like, I like people that if I go vent to them, they acknowledge my feelings. They say like, your feelings are valid. How can I help you move forward? What's the next best thing for you, Carrie? And like, you should be looking for those things as a teacher too. And think about it from parents. Think about it from the students, even think about it from the cleaning crew in your school. Like, did you have a special relief? I loved the woman that came to my classroom every day and cleaned my classroom. Like, she's one of my favorite people. She pushed me forward every day your principal, your assistant principal. And then once you have that inventory, like we can't eliminate people that don't make us feel good sometimes, especially in the work environment, right? But I think taking a reflection back of like who helped you through the hard times, who made you a better human, who made you feel good about yourself. And then as we talk about moving forward, I think you got to think about how can you spend more time with those people? And how do you build up healthy boundaries that you don't let those negative people pull you down? That would be my biggest inventory on like a social emotional level. And then I think from a pedagogical level and from your teaching, I think it's really important to look back at data. I know some people aren't going to like that. I'm saying that, but that's one thing I learned from working in ed tech is how powerful data is. So go look back at tests that your assessments that your students did, the projects that you did, what was engaging, what actually got the learning done and what daily habits that you did that pushed your students forward did you make changes this year did you if you're an elementary math teacher like did you do basic facts for the first three minutes of every day is that something you change i'm making this up did you do that and does the data show that that actually worked and did the kids like it So that would be kind of my thing of like pausing and looking. And then obviously from an ed tech and e-learning perspective, did you use new tools this year? Did they push your students forward? Did your students complain about using them or were they fighting over the computer to get to them? And, um, What did you bring in personally that were extras that your students liked? What is mandated by your school to use? Do you need to give some feedback to your school about tech tools being used? But really going to those tech tools and doing the same thing, like the T-chart, what worked, what was engaging, what
2: didn't work? Yeah, I think that's, I think that's a really good perspective because it's, all-encompassing, right? Teaching isn't just what I'm doing with my students and you should just be inventorying that. You really should be inventorying everything. And I think sometimes as teachers, we think we have a hard time, I think, communicating and really understanding who's supporting us, who's not supporting us, and how can I continue to push myself and lift myself up? And I think what's special outside of that is Is that there are communities like E2E and other communities around that. If you're not feeling that and you're not feeling supported in your school district or in your school, you can reach outside of that. I always tell teachers this. I think sometimes they feel like they get stuck and they have to be in one building. You would be amazed at what a building change can do for you or a district change just for your own mental health. So if you're not feeling supported there, that's also something to take inventory of you as a teacher are in a really amazing position right now in that every single school district needs you. So you have the opportunity to be a little bit more choosy than you might normally be. And you also need to just like, you know, take an inventory of, of, ever, of everything around you, your parents. And I really liked what you said about the ed tech tools and what, and looking at, at data. Um, I think very often teachers are like, oh, you know, I didn't feel like that worked just like based on a gut feeling, but you really should look at it and see your engagement. We, we did an interview, um, with the teacher surrounding, um, you know, a product that they were using. And the teacher was like, well, I don't use it because I just feel like it takes too much time. And so we asked her what she was doing. And she said she was copying, she was cut and pasting things together and whiting out things that she didn't like. And she was spending her, her planning period doing this. And so when I asked her how the behavior was in her classroom, just me probably not shouldn't, I shouldn't have been asking that question, but I already just knew the answer. And I said, well, how is the behavior? And she said she had to have a para come into her classrooms. And I said, well, when do you feel like your students are most engaged? And she mentioned she was using like Nearpod or something and her students were like really engaged and they were so excited and she didn't need the para during those times. And so I think making that audit of Uh, the pandemic forced everyone right to use ed tech tools, but ed tech tools are really important for long-term engagement for students and pushing the bounds because, you know, all three of us have met virtually and have networked with one another. And we are able, if we wanted to do something today, some sort of project, we could work together through some sort of technological tool um, to be able to produce content or put things together. And so We have to be bringing that to our students and also bring it to ourselves, I think. So I, so I really like the all encompassing, like putting things on a T chart. I know it sounds like old school, but I think it, you'd be surprised at what things pop out at you and what things can really bring some clarity for you in any situation. And
0: just my years working in ed tech, I feel like sometimes teachers are like, oh, it's the big corporate monster coming in to give us these tools and they don't actually work. Like I'm the teacher. Hold up. Most ed tech companies are super ethical with people with really good hearts and they're actually building you tools to make your life easier. So if you're resisting that, I think you're making a mistake. Like I think you've got to understand, like at eSpark, I'll speak the data scientists, the data work we did to make sure that our tool was moving students forward was insane. Like it was incredible. And we were manipulating the curriculum. If if there was an activity that wasn't showing growth, it was out. We put something else in. So yeah, as the teacher, you're the most important resource. But if you have access to tools that your school purchased for you, you better be using those tools. Use them a lot because the companies are making sure that they work. And use them so that you can work small group, use them. Like, I mean, my classroom ran like a well-oiled machine. Like my kids knew where to go, when to do, how to log in, whatever. But I did that so that when my student came in in tears, because their parents had a huge fight this morning, like I was able to like get in with them one-on-one and emotionally support them and get them on track at school. Right. Or, you know, all those things. So I just, I just kind of want to say that. Like, I do see teachers resist it because they don't trust. Believe me, all three of us have seen behind the scenes. There's no shenanigans going on back there. No one's out to get anyone. We're all trying to help kids.
2: On that point of what you're saying about like companies are constantly editing out things that are not working. And, you know, if an exercise in there, is it working? Then we're supporting that. And And what's also really, really important for teachers to understand, which I think this is why we've seen teachers starting to transition into ed tech, but everything that it it goes into a product is being supported in some way by a former educator, a current educator, or it's being product tested with teachers to give feedback on that. And so you can, the amazing thing about, about ed tech companies is you can pivot quickly, whereas a classroom teacher, you're not able to pivot. You're not able to just like dump a product because (laughs) you're not like loving it, but the ed tech company can, can see that these students are not thriving. Um, maybe they're, they're missing this specific question and they can take a hard look and be like, well, why isn't this happening? And they can make a change and pivot really, really quickly. Um, and it is to support you. Like that's how, that's how these products even started. It's because somebody saw a need somewhere Um, for something that wasn't happening. And we wanted to, the idea behind edtech products is to make teachers' lives easier and not make it harder. Um, So it's about, I think also that like understanding, like knowing like, Hey, we don't want to take over your job. You're as a teacher, you're irreplaceable. Yeah. Yeah. Completely a hundred percent. Like the things that you do, just like you mentioned, a student came in crying, their parents had a crazy fight. Um, and they're feeling stressed out. They didn't want their parents to see it, but they come to school and they're crying their eyes out. And so they come to you because it's safe. You're their okay. safe space and you provide yeah. more than just instructional practice. And yeah. so I hope teachers understand that, like we value what you do every single day. And oh, that's, that's why these edtech products have been born. We want, we want you to feel special and supported
0: 1000%. Yep.
1: And I have to be the the cynic on the other side just a little bit because the three of us, yes. well, the three Let's of us it. have worked with really great companies and there are so many great ed tech companies out there, but not all ed tech companies are created equally. Sure. And there are a lot of legacy, maybe bigger companies or older companies that, um, you know, educators were kind of forced to, to use and, and they weren't founded by educators or they didn't have those teams that were engaged in data. And so I would say a really great um, measuring stick or litmus test with your ed tech products is reach out to their support, even if you don't have a problem and just interact with their support team, their implementation team and see how responsive they are and see if they're open to feedback or open to giving some free training or something like that. And if those, you know, the the model now should be not a vendor to school, but a partnership, right? And so if those ed tech companies, which many of them are now, especially through the last two, three, five years, they really are founded by educators. They wanna be your partner. They wanna build the best products and keep improving them every year. And so if you engage with them, And they give more to you, then give more to them. Use the products and give feedback and build that partnership with them. And that's the best thing for everyone moving forward. But I know everyone's been burned by some type of big legacy software that, you know, there is no person you can reach out to. And that is frustrating. And so, you know, don't feel like you have to stick with something that when you're not getting what you need to get out of it, but you got to give it an honest effort and, um, and I think we're moving quickly in the right direction of more great ed tech, more educators in ed tech, um, and, and it's an exciting time. Yeah. All right, we could keep going for an entire episode on ed tech, but uh, we've talked about what to do, how to reflect and take stock of what worked and didn't work and, and kind of uh, reset your mind. Now let's talk about, all right, moving into the summer, um, how do we reboot um, and how do we rest and how do we really, um, charge our batteries to get ready for a even more normal and successful, uh, next fall.
0: Okay. I have a story. Love it. I remember in Chicago, we always started, started school the Tuesday after labor day. And it was one of those summers where I thought I was going to get so much done. And then I did nothing for school (laughs) and Jimmy Buffett was coming to Wrigley field and we were going to the concert and it was like the Monday or Sunday night was right before school starting. And I had planned on that whole weekend, getting everything ready for like the first day of school, the first week of school I had been teaching for a while at this point. And then the, the one night concert turned into a whole weekend bash with like all of our friends. We had the best weekend, my husband, And I did nothing for like the prep of the first day of school. Like, of course I'd been in my classroom, but like I hadn't written out my lesson plans and I winged everything that first day and it was perfectly fine. And the reason I'm telling you this story is because I, for a while, was the teacher that thought I was going to do so much over the summer, did nothing, and then panicked at the end of the summer. And after that Jimmy Buffett experience, I told my, cause I was stressed about it. It was fine, but I mean, it definitely stressed me out. But the thing I told myself is I am going to really use my last week of school and those couple of days after school gets out to get prepared for the next year. So that's one thing I would say, like, I know it's so easy to be like, Oh, I made it. And you just throw everything in the closet and take off. I really highly suggest that you start thinking about if you're staying at that school in the same grade or like get your welcome stuff ready for the first week of school. It's it's pretty easy to do. Like just get all that prep so that when you come back to your classroom in the fall, you literally have everything you need for your first week of school. It is the best gift I ever gave myself. And don't be focused on writing the names on the name tags or like what your room looks like. Just throw plain bulletin boards up. Like, you don't have to have a Pinterest perfect classroom. As a matter of fact, guess what those kids are looking at when they come in the first day of school? They're looking at you. They're looking at your face. They're looking to see what their teacher is going to be like. They are not looking at your bulletin boards. So that is just one thing I just want to throw out there is like, do give yourself the gift at the end of the school year of prepping the activities, the things your kids are actually going to do first. Sorry. Sorry. And then just keep it simple for the beginning of the year as far as like your classroom decor. So I just want to throw that out there. And then looking into next year, I do think it's really, as you guys know, classroom to boardroom right now of teachers that want to transition and go work from ed tech companies is blowing up. Like it's it's really a special community. I'm super proud of it. And there are educators who don't want to stay teaching and shouldn't stay teaching. And I think that if you're listening to this right now and you're like, I'm done, like, I'm not being the teacher I want to be. I'm ready to transition out. I don't want you to feel guilty about that. And I also don't want you to think it's too late to make, to make a change. I also, Lena loved what you said. Like if you've been unhappy at your school for a couple of years, maybe apply to teach at the school across town or the town over make a change. Like don't stay. Like, I don't think you should do that. If you've been teaching one year, like, don't just give up, like give it another year, but like, don't stay somewhere for 10 years and complain the whole time. Cause it's not doing anybody good. So I think just really taking inventory about like, are you personally happy? And is it time to make a change?
2: Yeah, I think so. And I think, um, I've talked on, you know, I, I do content on the other side of what I've been doing interviews with teachers who have actually transitioned. And most of them are like, they felt so guilty. I did too. I cried. I didn't know what decision to make. Um, but I think if you're already at that point, <laughs> it's time because you're yeah. doing a disservice to everyone, everyone in general. So I think that that's um, pretty important to like to kind of like audit that down. But I think that when you prepare things, you know, the empty bulletin boards, that's a place for your student creations to go, right? Like fill it up with love and learning. And it doesn't need to be perfect. And you don't need to spend that type of hours. What I do suggest, um, and I'm sure you will attest to this as well is spend your summer to dedicate one day a week in which you're going to do some sort of summer learning, um, bring a new strategy to your classroom this year, after you've taken that audit list of things that that you've loved about last year and things that you wish you could improve and looking at your data points, um, there should be something that you want to try. That's going to be innovative this year. Yes. Connect with someone, get in, you know, you, uh, you do a summer reboot yes. um, every single year. This is a great place to connect, but there's other, if you, if that doesn't, chime in with what you're doing, connect with others. You know, the E2E community, there's other communities in which you can connect with, but try something new this summer and spend one day learning something Yeah. because you'll be amazed um, how that can refresh you um, and just kind of refresh your perspective as well. And so, you know, you need those hours anyway. So you might as well take them during the summer so you don't stress yourself out during the school year either. And that's your time to unwind and reflect and think. So, do you have any suggestions for teachers who are, they've done their audit? They have noticed that there are some specific, you know, weak points maybe um, for what they should be doing over the summer to prepare for that next school year?
0: Yeah. I just wanted to touch a little bit on Teacher Summer Reboot for a second and why teachers keep coming back for more of it. And I think the difference is like you could take one day a week and you can Google, you can Pinterest, you can go on Teacher Instagram and get ideas. But when you're not broadening your circle, when you do that, you're getting information, you're getting ideas. Yes. I'm going to do this cute. Welcome back, whatever. The thing that teacher summer reboot does is create a community and connection with people across the nation and even the world. And you meet people who you meet a third grade teacher from state five States away. Right. And what are they doing That is why it's a reboot and a refresh. And it's because of the people in the community. So I really think, I like your idea of one day a week, but also make sure you're connecting with other humans, especially in this world of where we've pulled back from the connection. So whether that's an E2E or another place, I just wanted to add that, like broaden the circle a little. Um, And then I think also broadening the circle as far as, what like go on i love ed surge a lot i think like there's so many other places but go read articles about like what is going on in the world of education in our nation of education and broaden that perspective a little bit um and then i agree with you just learning and like looking back and saying okay well i used this product I don't actually know if it worked or didn't work. Let me go watch some YouTube videos of teachers that are also using Nearpod or using eSpark or using the D- discovery Ed. Like let's go watch videos of teachers that are using that on YouTube. How can I go deeper on those things would be my suggestion is Like whatever was working, like go find other teachers that are also doing it. Are they going deeper than you are?
2: Absolutely. I think that's a great strategy. I think, I think what we mostly are hitting home on here is to be connecting because yeah. it's just an, it's just an amazing experience for what you can be able to do. I've also shared that people have connected like in, in other communities and they are sharing the workload. Maybe they both teach fifth grade and now they're doing projects with their students together. So yes. the students are learning how to collaborate across, you know, across the country. And it's just, um, there is like an, an an ed camp. It's like a national international ed camp. They run like a 24 hour conference and I participated and presented a couple of years ago at it. But what was really cool was there was people from, you know, the middle East, there was people from Africa, there was people from Australia, everybody was sitting in this community and then they were connecting with each other and they were joining groups. And then they were starting to present together. And I just think that's just an amazing thing to like, as a teacher, to, to just connect because sometimes you don't get that in inter- intrinsic um, motivation, or maybe you don't get, you know, you, there's not, there's not like a lot of accolades that come with teaching that kind of make you feel, you know, excited and celebrated. Yeah. And this is a way to like, I just find it so refreshing. And so like it It used to jazz me up when I like met a new teacher that was doing the same thing. I was like, Oh, we could do something together. Like how yeah. cool is this? Um, so I think, I think just finding your community is important.
0: It also, when you do that work, you're, you're more efficient. Like what I see in our collaborations with E2E, when there's maybe third grade teachers that are getting together to talk, they don't like Do you remember when you were teaching and you would get, they would be like, we're going to give you a two hour block to work on curriculum mapping. What happened for like a lot of that time is a lot of distractions, complaining about initiatives, things changing, interruptions. Oh, we don't like our principal. Why are we having to do this? When you're doing that, like across virtual, I don't know how to say this, like state lines or whatever. There's not a lot of that. It's kind of like, let's just get to the work and do this together and then be on our way.
1: Well, and also you're sharing the best of the best ideas. You're not talking with someone else about, oh, there's this average thing that we did that you should try, right? Yeah, so if you have a few it. of those conversations and each one is the best thing from that person in that area, then you really are building an all-star playbook, which is right what every teacher uh, should want to strive for is not just getting through it, but really picking the best ideas from others and, and then synthesizing what would work and not work. Yeah. Um, I love that you mentioned Ed Surge. That's a great source of information. Also, the Voices of E Learning podcast.
0: Yes. <laughs> Definitely
1: a good place to listen. Every and the week.
0: Educators to Educators podcast is also a and, great place to listen, by the way.
1: <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, so, we've talked about um, reflecting the summer reboot, connecting, building, and connecting in new ways, new communities, right? We're yes. now in this new world post pandemic that we. Don't have to be limited to our one, you know, building, um, but also talk about the importance of taking a break. And that doesn't mean taking the entire summer off and not thinking about anything, but you can't be prepping all summer and burn yourself out so that you're not rested and ready when you come back in the fall.
0: Yeah. Like the prepping you do at the end of the year that I was talking about is what allows you, I think to relax and go to a Jimmy Buffett concert, like the weekend before (laughs) you got to teach, um, I think I, I I will even just speak to myself as an entrepreneur because I think it's a lot similar to when I was teaching. It's like, you're always thinking and wanting to explore and push the boundaries and what can I do next? So I think part of taking a break is one saying no to things. And I'm not just saying no to like, I can't come in for that PD. Like don't go on the camping trip with your neighbors. If you don't want to go on the camping trip with your neighbors, cause you don't like that. Like make sure the things that you're doing all summer, the yeses that you're saying socially and activities that you're doing are the things you actually want to do. I mean, sometimes you can't avoid those things. So that's the first thing. The second thing is like shutting your mind off. I, you know what I do? Cause like I can't fold laundry without thinking about growing my business. So, I fold laundry and listen to podcasts, like not education podcasts, nothing to do with teaching. Like, I listen to like true crime or a really great podcast that like sweeps my mind away and that I'm living in. So, I would just say, like, and I talk a lot about playing tennis. Tennis is like so good for me because it's such a fast paced, the level I play at is very fast paced. I can't sit there and think about, you know, that email in my inbox, right? Like, I'm busy. So, I really think a lot of the rejuvenation is back to kind of also that list we were talking about is who does make you a better human being. I think a lot about my friendships and the people that I spend time with, like Lena, when we get on a virtual call, like the first time I say, did I make that person feel good? Did that person make me feel good? And did we push each other? Was that like something that, do I want to do that again? And have that and spend time with the people that you want to do that again with, right? So that's my two cents.
2: Yeah, I think that's a great, a great strategy. Um, so switching gears just a little bit for like those teachers, we know that this has been the year of the exodus, right? These last yeah. two years of the pandemic, there's been people transitioning for a while when I left almost. Um, yeah, almost four years ago, um, there wasn't a lot of people doing it, right. There was a lot of shame that was involved with it. People were like, Oh, I can't believe you're doing that. You know, like how dare you do something like that? You know, my principals were like, I can't believe that's something you would do. And I'm like, I'm still supporting students and teachers. Yeah, I'm still carrying this passion, but, um, what tips do you have for teachers who are transitioning, um, you know, and, you know, anything that you can kind of share with them there.
0: Yeah. I was just talking to a former superintendent before I was got on this call and we're, uh, he's now in the business world and he's, we were talking about like career happiness in general. And, and he was saying like, teachers are not the school district's property. They're like renting them. Basically it's like the way he said it, like you're renting that talent for as long as you can have them and keep them. There's something about like teachers and nurses and stuff where we feel like, and it is a little bit of this, like I'm saving lives though, guys, like I'm, I'm saving children's lives and I'm pushing them for, yes, you are. But like, that doesn't have to be what you do every single day of your life until you die or retire. I'm so proud of the 10 years I taught. Like I still have parents and teachers telling me, you know, finding me on Facebook or now LinkedIn because I'm getting older. I taught for 10 years and I gave of myself like crazy and it was okay that I said that was enough. That was the chapter. I never signed a thing that said says my going to be what I did for the rest of my life. So first of all, just have confidence in yourself in that way. Like be proud of what you've done and it's okay if you want to walk away. Um, also, um, I would say that there has been in the last month, like just a crazy number of teachers, like bombarding LinkedIn and it's making teachers paranoid. Like, oh my gosh, now I'm one of 10,000 teachers looking for a job or whatever. Um, There are things that you can do to get the leg up, like join classroom to boardroom or other programs. I'm just saying like they do help. There's, you know, but um, don't let that freak you out. Um, I think actually we're kind of at the highest point of this. Cause I think a lot of, I'm going to go on a tangent here, but I, I think a lot of teachers are having to sign their contract for next year. So I think we're actually going to kind of see that number go down a little bit. I think it's not going to be as crazy. Um, and then my other advice would be that, um, I wrote this article that's been floating around about like teacher trauma and how I think it's holding people back from getting jobs you've got to let go. If you're bitter or angry at the profession or you're, you're mad, like you've got to, you got to check yourself. You got to check yourself on what you're putting out there on LinkedIn. You've got to face, if you've gone through some trauma in teaching, you need to face it and work through it in whatever way is best for you. But it's like dating. Like if I, I would never divorce my husband. He's amazing. But like, if I were to get divorced and start dating someone new and I brought all my, I'm not going to use my marriage because I love my marriage. I'm going to use someone else's marriage. Let's say you're married in a horrible marriage and it's dysfunctional and you don't feel appreciated and all these things. And then you get divorced and next month you start dating new and you go into that new relationship the same way you were in your marriage. That relationship is not going to work, right? And it's the same thing with teaching. Like if you come, if you're super bitter at the profession right now and and then you go try to interview for jobs, that is going to come across in your interview process. And I'll say it, you gotta be careful what you put on LinkedIn. You have to yeah. be careful what you put on LinkedIn.
1: And, and I'll add to that, it's okay to, to vent appropriately once But if that is something that is reoccurring, a a hiring manager is going to see that and go, this person is not ready to move on. Um, So maybe we could even talk just for a minute about what okay to put on LinkedIn and how to put yourself out there, because it is a very, very valuable tool that many teachers have just discovered in recent months. uh, And, um, you know, a lot of teachers you'll see posts on LinkedIn or private messages about, I'm just so overwhelmed. I don't know what to do. And I know Lena's got some great insights into this too, but I'd love to hear from both of you on uh, if you're a teacher sitting there listening to this today at the end of the school year, you're maybe not even on LinkedIn yet, or you're on, but you haven't done anything but watch. um, What would you recommend to start building that appropriate, you know, uh, LinkedIn profile and uh, activity that is going to be really to your benefit?
0: So if i can just for one second just kind of differentiate with classroom to boardroom like i put a ton of free content out there and i've spent a lot of time creating resources on these topics like i could not even talk about all of them right now so like i have classroom to boardroom which is a paid course and people that buy that course what they get from me is an entire course about entering ed tech, the realities of it all the jobs how to do the jobs that's what they're paying for and They're paying for jobs that I send them where I have personal connections to the hiring managers. Okay. So I kind of want to differentiate that the rest of my time when I'm doing, not doing that work, I'm writing about these other concepts for free. So carry-conover.com is my blog where I write just openly about a lot of these topics. And then I also started a YouTube channel where there's a whole YouTube channel about the do's and don'ts of LinkedIn, how to get through your first interview. So I'm creating a lot of free content to answer a lot of these questions. Um, So I just want to point that out. Like, um, because I think sometimes people have a hard time differentiating the two. I will say on LinkedIn, a lot of, there's this push of like brand yourself. And I'm not super into that. Like, I actually think the power is in the commenting and supporting other people's content. I wrote um I wrote something it's stop connecting wait stop something start connecting I can't think of it right now oh stop perfecting start connecting is the title of the blog post so go find that if you want to learn more about this but basically my thought is like you don't need to be famous on LinkedIn to get a job that's my belief Lena I don't know if you feel the same like I got some pushback when I wrote about this by like a few people but like I think You need to be commenting on other people's posts very positively. It doesn't mean you can't disagree, but remember when you're on LinkedIn profile, your activity comes up right under your about section. So if I go to someone's profile and all I see that they're doing is like picking fights with people on LinkedIn or constantly disagreeing with people, I'm like, okay, negative Nelly. If I see, oh my gosh, Lena, I love that podcast episode you just did. I also wanna add, have you seen this resource? Or I used this in my classroom. Like your activity on other people's posts shows up just as much as that viral post you're trying to write. The other thing I wanna say is, this is my personal opinion. I'm not a huge fan of blasting on LinkedIn. Like I got to this final round of this interview. I didn't get it. Everyone in the community support me. Find a smaller private community to share that stuff with. That's what we do in Classroom to Boardroom in our private community. I'm going to be honest here. If you're doing that and I'm thinking of hiring you for a job and I go see you write that, this is what I think. Why didn't they get that job? As a hiring manager, I'm like, hmm, well, if that company didn't want to hire them, do I want to hire them? So I, I'm just being blunt here. I think that kind of stuff, do it in a private community.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I, I think JW and I will both agree on that. I think I think I appreciate I appreciate that people are thinking that it's more of like a community. But what they don't realize is that I am a higher hiring manager. I just interviewed a recruiter um, on on I also put out free content. You know, that's how we connect yes. with, with teachers. Your and content's like amazing, so by I, the way. I, oh, just thank you so like, much.
0: <laughs> I feel like use both all, like all of our free content. Cause we all have kind of the same philosophy. I just want to mm-hmm. say, I love your content. Go
2: to yeah, your thank YouTube you so much. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, but on that, like, no, the thing about what you don't realize is like, we, we are interviewing at Canva. We're doing interviews. I'm going to look at, not only as a recruiting manager looking at your stuff, but your, your Possible teammates are going to look at your LinkedIn, and I'm looking to see what I can find um, about you. And yeah. I don't want. And I think it's it's really tricky to tread that negative water. I think I think that's what those Facebook community groups are for because when I'm searching for you, I'm not, if it's a private group, your stuff isn't coming up. I'm not like, oh my gosh, Carrie is in these groups and she's just trashing this interview company or, you know, whatever. Yeah, That's personal. That's private. That's a a place for that type of community. And I think on LinkedIn, while I, while I appreciate that people are, you know, putting themselves out there and doing those types of things, I, I more so want to see you connecting and and collaborating, you know, and sharing resources and things like that. I also agree with you on branding. I think it's a tricky, there's, there's a couple of pieces that kind of go with this branding and then I'll hop off my soapbox here. Um, but with a couple of pieces that come with the branding is like, if you have it, you're already doing it. And that's like what you're passionate about, then do it, put out the content, do the things like that. But if it's, if you feel like you're just like, you're just doing it to do it. Don't do it because it doesn't feel authentic. So that's one thing. If you have things that you've created for your district and you want to share it and be like, Oh, look at this great resource I created. Perfect. That's the perfect place to do it. Um, and then the other thing is, I would say that, you know, when you are doing, when you are job hunting exactly what Carrie said, we can see your commenting abilities and like what you've been commenting and things like that. So just make sure to keep it positive. Yes. Um, and then also the same thing when you're messaging people when you're reaching out to them and you're connecting, like, don't, don't immediately open with here's what my new salary is going to be. What do you think? Um, <laughs> make sure that everything is authentic. Like you're being authentic with everything that you're doing. I'm, I'm not saying you have to be like, I'm happy, happy Sally and everything yeah. has to be, you know, you can be like, Oh, you know, Oh, thank you so much for that insight. You know, I've really had a tough time um, doing this and that's the perfect place to share that, but making a whole blog post about that every day. Cause that's what I'm seeing is like the same person will do the same thing every day. Like, Oh, I got rejected today and I got rejected yesterday and I got rejected there. It's like, you know, I got rejected and then spin it to a positive way. If that's something yeah. that you want to share. So, so try to just keep in mind that everybody can see what you do. Everybody. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And the tech community is small. It is small in, I played that game where I was like, anybody, I don't know if you saw it, but I was like, tell me someone in ed tech and I will connect myself to them. And there was, I never got stumped. Like I could connect myself to anyone in ed tech by someone I had worked with or, you know, so it is small and, um, yeah, just be respectful and be positive. Like people hire people that they like. And people like positive people. Like, it doesn't mean that you can't disagree with someone, but like really check why you're disagreeing with them on LinkedIn. Like, you know what I mean? Are you disagreeing just to like make yourself look wise or to disagree? It's just, I don't know. I think you just have to tread lightly, but make yourself, don't worry about the branding. Like Lena, you and I have, um, JW, I don't know your following as well, but like, I mean, my LinkedIn up, like following me is blown up and he had 10,000 followers in the last six weeks or something. And I'm not thinking about my branding. I promise you, like, I'm literally just writing things to help others and to share really great resources and to share the resources that I'm making. And that's it. Like, that'll do it for you.
1: Yeah. And I would just say, you know, be yourself, be the best version of yourself don't try to be perfect, but also be aware and be intentional, right, with what you're sharing because it is going to be out there and you're going to forget about it in a week or a month. But a hiring manager may scroll back six months and and look at that. So really just kind of be aware and intentional um, as, as you do that. And but don't be afraid. Be put yourself out there. Um, And a great, easy way to do that is in the comments uh, with other people, because then you can start those dialogues. And ultimately, it's not about having thousands of uh, followers or people commenting. It's about building relationships. And so it is that quality over quantity, because you don't need 100 hiring managers to know who you are or to offer you a job. You need one or two, right? And so really, uh, you know, being focused, I think, is the other thing that a lot of people are just kind of, I don't know where to start. I'm all over the place really think about what are those jobs you want and start requesting link connecting, um, start commenting on their things. Um, there are some algorithms out there. If you comment X amount of times before sending a message, people kind of feel like they know you and it's, you know, it works. So, um, there's a little science and art to it, but it's not impossible to figure out. And there are some great resources like Carrie and Lena. All right. I want to end with, um, I love doing these uh, podcasts because I always learn something from our guests. And it also always just uh, kind of spurs my mind to, to think new thoughts and put new things out there into the world. And so as we're having this conversation, my final thought that I would love to get your take on, and maybe it's a little too optimistic, but wouldn't it be amazing if the impact of enough educators transitioning to ed tech companies helped contribute to the reformation of the education system to the point that some of those educators may actually want to go back into the classroom because technology can really be that enhancement that can make the job more attractive again. Now, I know there are a lot of other factors, teacher pay, you know, bureaucratic things that need to be cleaned up, but I have seen in the last couple of years this direct impact of educators helping educators from the other side to with PD, with um, support, also with helping build better products that are going to be better. Uh, you know, technology to ent- enhance the student uh, experience, the teacher experience, the administrator experience. Um, and I and I know it's not a silver bullet that technology is going to save the education system, but it, it is at the core now. And it's exciting to see the impact it's having. And it's only going to grow. There's only going to be a bigger impact. And so it, is that possible within the coming years that that impact can grow to the point where maybe that can at least be one contributing factor to some of those educators that, you know, are having a hard time leaving now. And I, maybe the point is nothing's permanent, right? Yeah. If you leave education, you can always go back. Um, and maybe you can make an impact from the other side that will help you, you know, want to come full circle and come back. If that's something that's on your heart um, after you end up on the other side.
0: Yeah. I a hundred percent agree with you that. I think it, it definitely could happen. But I think this all goes back to the kids having children, myself um, being, you know, talking to teachers. I think more than anything, the hard time that we've gone through, I, I think the reason teachers are really burning out deep down in the core is that I think kids have been shook from this. Like, and I think what's happened is that The kids that were high flyers, high achievers, I like to get my work done. I never miss an assignment. I'm really good study skills. Like they made it through the pandemic. Okay. All the other kids that were like kids like me in high school, who like, I didn't peak until grad school, those kids struggled on down. I'm talking about kids that did good in school, like, but didn't have those like high flyer, high achiever kind of things in them. Like, I think that it changed kids. And it made kids that like, like school, not like school. And so now teach and parents are trying to help kids through that. And now teachers are back and they're trying to deal with kids who were once interested in school. They don't like school anymore. I'm seeing it in my own community. That's like a very well-to-do community, like of kids that are just like, but I don't think that it's necessarily a bad thing. Cause I think back to your point is like, we've got to start looking at kids. We've got to like, start looking at the fact that like, why are we pushing every kids to four-year universities? Like there's a bigger picture in play here. And so I think what's going to happen in my, if I could say, if I could predict, I think we're going to start looking at like changing schools and changing how our kids are learning and like what tracks they're going down. And I think wrapping this back to ed tech is that I think that like we have to still keep building really strong skill uh tools, especially at the middle school and high school level. More than Anything at the middle school and high school level, we have got to be creating amazing tech tools, right? And so to your point, the more teachers that we can get into ed tech that have lived through this to help ed tech leaders see the way to this, I think exactly what you said can happen. And I think teachers will return. But we've got to make some changes.
2: Mm -hmm. We have to empower those I also agree. Like that's like my big vision, right? Is that this, what we're doing in ed tech and what we're doing is like so powerful that it really shakes up everything that's going on in in the education system. I think there's a lot that's going to break before then um, to get us to that point, but it is, it is really important to um, I think that's why we do it. Right. Because we're so passionate about education. And so if, if it could help to break it, (laughs) but then also rebuild it, then I think, I do think that it could, teaching has a lot of positives. Um, It carries a lot of weight, but I think if you could rework the system where teachers became more so facilitators and they less had to carry all these other burdens and they could be humans, um, then I think it would be really powerful. And, And I do think that this education system could change in our, in my dreamland, you know, every night when I go to sleep, I'm going to wish this fruition, yeah. you know?
0: Well, then that way kids, like, I feel like actually technology, people are scared that it like separates us, but that's how you use technology to connect us. Because then if you're kids, then you have time to actually really get to know the students. Like why, what are they actually about? Just back time.
2: Yeah. And what people don't realize about the technology pieces that I actually think it brings us together. Like I have friends now in other countries that like I never would have been able to have. Yeah. Um most of my relationships, you know, Carrie, JW, you both of you like you're you become like my people and I think that that's an important piece of like if technology didn't exist, I would never know either no. one of you. We no. never cross paths. We would never know each other. Um, you know, we wouldn't be able to be in each other's networks. And I think that we have to be thinking about that way in our education system too. Like, it's just so important to bring people together and, and it has a lot of impact and it's not going away. Right. Like, like we have AI VR, like all these, like the metaverse coming into reality that like those things aren't disappearing. So we have to just adapt and, and realize yeah. that it can have some really amazing impact long-term. Yeah.
0: And at the end of the day, everyone deserves to have a career or a job that they enjoy most days. And that goes from the kids that we're talking about right now in their futures. It goes for the teachers. It goes for the administrators, their people too. Like everyone deserves a job that they're happy most days in. That's the core of what I believe. And so I just really have enjoyed this conversation. Thank you guys so much for like letting me, I haven't done an interview in a while. Um, and back like this connection has felt so good. So thanks for letting me let my voice shine a little bit today.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you for being here and we have so much more to talk about. So we're going to have to have you back on uh, later this year to get uh, some more updates and give some more tips and, uh, advice to everyone, uh, maybe for back to school. Um, so Carrie thank you Lena thank you and to the audience thank you so much for investing your time with us every week Uh, be sure to check out uh, our website uh, for past episodes on market scale and listen to us wherever you consume your podcast share it with friends comment on our uh, LinkedIn's, and uh, you know uh, make yourself known ask your questions tell us who you want to see on next all that good stuff thanks again for joining us and remember to always always keep learning